0: Thanks for tuning in to Voices in DevOps. If you enjoy this podcast, please check out John's reports and blogs on gigaohm.com, where he covers all things DevOps, data, and strategy, addressing many of the topics covered in Voices in DevOps. Hello and welcome to this episode of Voices in DevOps, where I'm delighted to be here to speak to Simon Fairbairn, I hope i pronounced your name right there, Simon, who's uh, Head of Professional Services at Ingenico, massive organization, uh, lots of challenges, lots lots of real-world stuff. So I'm um, really, really interested to hear what you've got to say about DevOps, because we do hear a lot of, from people who are already kind of they're already there, they're already solving some of the, some of the issues that they don't have those big organisational enterprise challenges that, uh, that uh, uh, bigger organisations have. So that's why we're here. First question, as always, is Simon, what brings you to uh, this point in your career? What brings you to end up being Head of Professional Services at Ingenico? Um, what's your background and what have you ended up doing now?
1: Cool. Thank you. And thank you for having me on the podcast um, it, it, it's been a mixed journey. I think like most people in our careers, we, we don't plan to get to where we be. We just find, we find our feet taking us in that direction. So I've been in with Ingenico for nearly three years now. Um, I look after the software development for, uh, from a regional perspective. Um, we, we have a group function that takes care of the core platform, but we have a lot of localization work to, to bring the solution out from that platform into our world. And Genico is the leading payment provider. So you'll know is by the payment terminals that you see on on many uh, shop counters, taking credit cards, debit cards. Mm. Uh, Prior prior to this though, I I spent a good number of years in consulting, um, running an information and technology practice and, and a variety of other roles before that in project management. But it's all largely been around technology, largely around how do you solve problems and how do you deliver outcomes for your customer? So trying to see past the, the, the world where it's it's only process or only technology to, you know, how do you bring the best of your organization to bear to, to solve problems and solve things that people really need? And it's been interesting because, you know, the, the, when I started some 20, 25 years ago, technology was fairly basic, but it was still a big part of our DNA. But the jumps, the evolutions, the revolutions in, in what's possible now has made it very interesting because technology is moving far, far faster than people so, mm. so, I find myself here now and uh yeah, embracing all the goodness that's
0: on offer. I mean, it's interesting that thinking the the project manager role is essentially people can have all these high ideas but ultimately and, and use the term outcomes uh which some some organizations see as a bit of a dirty word because uh it's it it's kind of uh, easy to say and, and hard to do, but your job as project manager is actually you know you you make or break dependent on whether or not you can actually deliver. And you spent yeah. a lot of years doing that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I got a really simple philosophy, and it was actually born in my time in consulting. You know, Customers don't buy product. They buy outcomes. They buy it for a purpose. And if you can't understand the outcome, let alone deliver it, then what's the point? But when you do understand the outcome, you do deliver against it, it's going to be valuable to your client. And if it's valuable to your client, they'll pay you. So you, you end up with that win-win that we all aspire to that becomes a bit of a cliche, but, but if your client gets something they really genuinely need and they pay for it, you'll make your revenue, you'll have a satisfied client, you'll have a story to tell. So it, it's, it's important whether people like it or not, but that's, that's the way I've been coaching the language in our organization. We were very much a hardware business selling product, shifting boxes. And we're trying to turn that around into one that's you know understanding where our customer are at, what they're trying to achieve, what their customers look like, and how we actually become part of their organization to service that need. You know, it, it, it sounds, sounds trite, but but it's really important to think that way, because if you do, you've got a fighting chance of being able to deliver success.
0: Well, I'm going to throw in another cliche, which is uh, customer centricity. I mean, ultimately, um, your success is based on whether or not people can actually uh, take money, spend money, um, and uh online offline you know if they can't use your stuff then then we might all as well go home basically so it's got to be pretty um user user centric hasn't it the
1: yeah, I, I, absolutely you know it, pay, payments is something that, that all of us do you know whether we like it or not it's a big part of our life but but we're, we're trying to make it frictionless we're trying to make it easier for for all people on the points of that journey because fundamentally it's just a means to an end but, but when it becomes the thing that blocks you, it has a hell of an impact on, on how businesses earn their money. If you can't take the money, then you've got a problem. You lose the customer, you lose the moment, you, know, you lose the appetite. So for us, reliability and performance is, is, is a very big part of our DNA. And, and you've really got to understand what that looks like. You know, we, we spend time thinking about the, the user experience, the user interface design, because fundamentally, that's what happens at that that 60-second that moment when someone says, and oh, that'll be 60 pounds, you know, you're, you're on and you've got to perform.
0: Um, so, you know, it's, it's no, Nobody cares about Ingenico apart from 60 seconds, uh, yeah. sort of little, little moments.
1: There's a, a curse we talk about with Ingenico that, that nobody knows who Ingenico is because we're a B2B firm. But the reality is, as soon as you explain what we do and you point out, you know, our products and our services – then you can never unsee it. So the next time you walk into a shop and look at the terminal, there's a good chance, particularly in the UK, it'll be one of ours and they will have our badge on it. And then you'll start spotting them everywhere because it's, it's it's such a ubiquitous part of what we do as a utility. But but you know we're not there to to, to push a brand out. We're there to deliver the experience that allows our customers to take payment.
0: So I'm, I'm going to, um, and I, I actually do that, by the way, I, I now walk into shops and go, ah, Ingenico, <laughs> for no other reason than uh, this podcast. And you do, as you say, you can't unsee it. Um, I, I, I'm going to ask, I'm going to try and ask a question, but I think it might come out as a bit of a ramble. So bear with me, because I, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of pieces here. Um, and one of the bits of the question that I've got to get out of my head is, 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 is Ingenico a, uh, an Edinburgh-based company? Because I didn't know that or or is it is it headquartered elsewhere so i'll get that question out of the way uh and while you're al- answering that quickly i'll then tee up the longer ramble
1: yeah okay so, so Ingenico is, is actually a global firm so we are headquartered out of france we're a french company uh um, we're, we're the sum of many parts so ingenico has been around for some 25 30 years but, but it's been on you know part of that journey. It grew at, at, at you know at a hell of a rate, um, and and what you've now got. I think we we are present in 170 countries, so we're nearly every single country on the planet, and um, some more overtly than others. Um, from, a, from a Scotland perspective, we were one of the acquisitions. So there, there's a manufacturing plant in Dalgetty Bay, where where we operate. But but increasingly, you know, it moved from a, a manufacturing facility into more of a an operational hub and a, and a software development capability, but but we have we have a presence in, in pretty much every single country. But again, we're that kind of hidden brand. If you don't know us, you you, you don't really kind of go looking for us.
0: Mm. Okay, well, that's that's added a fourth element to my ramble. So I don't think that's yeah. helped at all. Uh, but essentially, so we've got the project management. So this is all about DevOps. Um, and we've got your project management background, which is all about delivery. And I think that's really interesting uh, if we put that back to back with the um, questions of DevOps. because uh, Just doing things faster doesn't necessarily mean you're delivering better. Uh, so we've got that aspect. We've also got the aspect that Ingenico is a, uh, a global concern uh, moving from, uh, as you say, more hardware-based uh, stuff to more... Um, uh, Software solution y kind of stuff and, and delivering better and better to, to what the customers need. And um, then we've got your own background in, in terms of uh, having seen it and done it and helped other organizations actually make, you know, deliver things and make a difference, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I'm wondering, therefore, what your take is and, and um, how you perceive success. Uh, and what are, what's 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 coming? I mean, you might say for me, to me, for example, actually, this DevOps stuff—it's a load of rubbish. What you really want to do is ABC, and DevOps is just one manifestation of that. Or you might say we are all in on that, uh, and now it's a case of, um, of trying to get the organisation to the right place. But how do you frame it? How, how how there you go? I told you it would be a ramble. Mm-hmm. How how do, how do you approach the very notion of DevOps in, in Ingenico?
1: So I, I, I would start off by saying that we probably don't consider it as DevOps, you know, we, in, in my career I'm experiencing and certainly what I've seen in Genico, and I think we are further back on the curve. We're, we're certainly not leading edge when it comes to some of the, the, the ways of working that, that are certainly being um, touted, explored and, and, and talked about in the marketplace. But, but my experience is is, 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 this? You know, you give it six months, and there's another label, there's another thing to talk about. But they're all fundamentally trying to find a way to get us to work better. Mm-hmm. So from from coming in, and particularly from a consulting background, you know, when when we we generally deal in titles and 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 new things, the emperor's new clothes. I, actually, what we're trying to do is get more grounded and actually apply as much common sense as we can. So if we start from the outcome and work ourselves backwards we've got real clarity on what it is that we're trying to achieve. Now, if we know what we're trying to achieve, we then think about how we form our assets around that in order to be effective. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a big thing we've talked about within Genico and something I push really hard. Uh, the whole point of something like DevOps is, is, is not to embrace a new methodology to, to move from a, an Agile to a DevOps to, uh, to whatever the, the terminology. You, you want to get effective and, and you've got to get effective before you get efficient. So we always talk about, make sure you're pointing in the right direction. And once you know what you need to do, then you work to become more productive at it, to get better at it. And, and, and everything is, is about looking at the different parts of your process, looking at your people and the culture and the way they work together, looking at your technology to find that secret sauce that just makes it work. Now, i give you an example. When, when I came on board, we were very, uh, from a delivery methodology, we were very waterfall, very classical project management delivery to find everything up front, spend an inordinate time of doing it, agree that with a customer, and then take a long period to deliver it, test it, and then play it back to the customer, only to discover the world had moved on and what you actually had delivered wasn't really what they wanted. And, and we've, we've switched that across to Agile. Now, parts of our business in, in other countries had, had taken on Agile and Scrum and had, had largely sheep dipped their team into, here's how we do it. And we said, well, that, that really doesn't work for us, because what we'll do, we'll just end up with another flavor of the same thing. You know, different working practices, but we've, we've, we've missed the fundamental point. Have we actually got better? Have we delivered better outcomes, whether that's better quality, better cost to, to, to service? you know, or whether that's just more profitable. You know, whichever the dimension you talk about, you have to achieve something, you know, back to the outcome. So we, we started adopting a lot of the principles that we see, some within DevOps, some within Agile, some within other methodologies. And we started describing what would work for us. And we layered it on very slowly, very organically, and said, right, this week, we're going to bring something new to the table. And we did that week after week, building out our story, building out our landscape, building and bringing the team with it. So we've ended up with something that looks a lot more agile and a lot less waterfall, but it's very us, and and and, and that that was very much from the software development team from my part of the business. But then we've expanded that out to other teams to say, well, actually, how do we bring you into this process? You know, and, and that's allowed us to start to join up some of the the key processes, some of the ways we communicate share information, some of the technology we use to underpin that process. So we've moved on to using Bitbucket for our software development. We use um, even a Nexus that allows us to do a lot of the builds and common libraries to do stuff. But but fundamentally underneath it all was about people and about how do we get the right people at the right point in the time collaborating together against a common purpose that was clearly defined. And and for me, that kind of cuts the chase of all these things. You, You can only be effective when everyone knows the direction they're heading, the task in hand, and they trust each other to perform. The best technology, the best methodology, the the best processes do none of that, and and, and that's why this journey is is for us probably a little bit more patience. And um, but it's been far more rewarding because we you know our, our quality of of service, the quality of output, and how can we deliver, the speed by which we get there is all improving because we put the foundations down to allow us to deliver.
0: So. Yeah 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 and um, and I'm just thinking. so how are you measuring success then are you you is is that how you're measuring success you said speed of delivery you said uh that you know, speed of oper- speed of um uh the higher levels of success customer success i mean are you measuring those things specifically or are you um yes. are they just general themes you're looking at
1: no, some, some, some specifically, some are, are more qualitative and, 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 and you know it's, it's, it's observational time stuff. So, so simple things we'll see. Productivity, right first time, is really important to me. I'd, I'd rather do the, 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 the right thing and get the right result for our clients and for our business than, than have something pushed out quickly and then come back for rework because it tends to kind of sour things. Now that doesn't mean to say you can be slow and take forever to be, perf- be a perfectionist. But, but if you are engaged and you've got the customer inside your circle, they're on the journey with you, you know, and, and, and you're building a no surprises approach, generally what happens is, is you're clear about how you, what you need to do, you're clear about how you do it, you answer your questions en route because everyone's working together, and, and invariably you get there just as fast, you know, not necessarily slower or faster, but you'll come out with the right result. And, and you know we had a history of of perhaps pushing things too quickly, and then missing out on quality. So so right first time is is, is a really good metric. Mm. Does, does the customer accept what you've given them? Do they appreciate? Do they use language, you know, that's complimentary? And um, customer stats is another dimension. So if if the customer you know actually you know gives you the the kudos or is is willing to respond and talk favorably, you know, and in whether it's a local sat survey or um, lessons learned interviews then again that's a, a really good way of exploring am i doing the right thing you know is is this working for them
0: and just 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 for um for my own intro, when you use the term customer what kinds of uh, people are you talking about uh little retailers Are you talking about internal customers big business big b2b customers
1: and for my part of the business, I sit in, in a community called Banks and acquirers. So we largely serve um, the key banks, the acquiring organizations. So these are the, the Barclay Cards, Pays, Global Payments of the World. Uh-huh. And we also have a number of ISO organizations, resellers, who will consume the services of the acquirers, but who will deal with us directly. They're big enough to have their own business model. So we're, we're B2B in that nature. And uh, uh-huh. we tend not to get involved with the end customer unless the end customer is quite sizable in their own right and has enough leverage to, to, to engage in the, in the process. But, but these are organizations that in themselves have strong brands, strong reputations, and are looking to get good quality solutions to the market at the right price you know that, that, that have a good experience for their customers. So they're very conscious about it as well. So we have to satisfy our direct customer first, but consciously focusing on how we satisfy the end customer, the actual user of our technology.
0: And uh, I, I'm thinking out loud. You're. You know, this, I'm going to state the obvious here. And your you, your solutions have to be quite scalable, don't they? I mean, if, if it's going to work, it's going to have to work in 170 countries. Other, otherwise, uh, um, it it's not really suitable. And it's going to have to um, be deliverable uh, across that and scaling up to to the number of transactions it's going to have, yeah. going to, have to run through. It. Are, are you running? that on so what's your target infrastructure is that on onto their infrastructure is that onto your how how's that architecturally
1: I'll, I'll give a small clarification well whilst you would think the worlds of payment and what we do would be um homogenous and, and and be able to apply right across the, one, the world the reality is the payment industry is incredibly fragmented so every country has its own local idiosyncrasies
0: now that that means that if, oh boy, that makes it worse
1: <laughs> so, so you know to give you an example within the uk we service the uk republic of ireland and to a degree the nordics uh, and there's some commonality between the way the card schemes and the regulatory bodies allow us to do things um but even inside that i've got three different payment applications that all do the same job but they're legacy applications i've inherited so we you we know we we, 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 we have, large estates of customers. So we have, I think, somewhere near a million terminals, payment terminals that are in circulation within the UK and the Republic of Ireland from Ingenico. But but even that breaks down to these were on, on that payment application and these ones will use a, a certain estate management capability to manage the terminals while they're in the field. So it, it, it's it's actually really complex underneath the bonnet, um, which makes, makes the life even harder because you've got all sorts of uh, inefficiencies, as well as having to manage your quality control in lots of different places. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I I just uh, suddenly had a sort of flash by of the, the what the what the document must look like to kind of you know. So we need this. Like, ah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Doing it three times to run. You know, I, I, the legacy is one challenge, And and, and this is why I said you know at the, at the kind of the, the top of the building that. Different organizations are, are at different stages in the journey towards how integrated and, and how, how capable they are about being able to deliver software at pace and deliver solutions at pace. We're further back in the chain, like a lot of organizations, because of legacy. You've know, you you've got a world that, that has been built over time, and, and changing it can be hard. Now, we're very much on, on that journey. We're trying to converge our technology stacks. We're trying to adopt, adopt new ways of doing things, whether that's the tools that support how we build how we actually um, promote capability into the marketplace, how we manage that process. But, but it's a journey because, you know, you, you've still got to keep the lights on whilst you're making all the innovation in order to get yourself to a better place. So we're we're somewhere down that journey, but, but it's hard work, um, you know, and, and it gets in the way of doing the rich, interesting things that you really want to do.
0: So specific specific question to it, and this this actually came up at uh, I, I was at the uh, um, uh, conference at, over the past couple of days, and, and this this conversation came up about whether or not uh, uh, DevOps or any agile process should be uh, prescriptive in, in terms of you know telling you this is what to do. And back in waterfall days. Um, you had a set of steps that you worked through across the waterfall. It was a V life cycle. You know, you always did requirements design and then build and then a couple of types of testing and and then delivery. Um, Whereas DevOps is kind of, there there, there isn't anything hard and fast. And what you said uh, was that you um, essentially evolved your own uh, processes and methodologies according to the needs of the organization. So the, the, the question is, is that your preferred approach and was that what you wanted to do and that's what Ingenico needed or would you have preferred that someone just came along and said, there you go, there's your process. That's what it looks like these days. That's what everyone should do. And then you'd get the right tool set um, and you wouldn't be trying to work it all out as you went along.
1: Um, I'd, I'd like to say there was a panacea that just said, here it is, you know, a nice box with a red bow around it and it just gave you all the answers that my my experience is that just doesn't exist. Anything that, that is prescriptive by its very nature will will fall at the first hurdle because you, you've got far too many variables you're trying to accommodate. I, I think I think the re- reality is 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 you, you want somewhere in between the two states. You want a framework, and the framework equips your your organization and your team with all the things they need to do, and it gives them guidance and steps. So maybe years from now, you know, with with AI coming through that we're going to have the capability that the, the, the personal dimension can be removed from it. But the reality, so long as that's there, you're going to have to have some flexibility. So my approach has always been to say, look, let, let's take the latest of the thinking, think about how we apply it to our situation, and then take people on a journey. Because the journey is the means by which you, you adapt, you learn, you grow in order to accommodate and get the best of it. Um, you know, I, I've seen situations in the past. I've been involved in some of those programs. When you say we're doing this, it looks like that. Everyone must comply. And, and the lesson I've drawn from that is you've just set yourself up to fail. You know, to set yourself up for success, you've got to understand what good looks like, and you've got to give some latitude for failure. You got to give people the opportunity to try and learn. Now. Having a good quality framework, having some ready-made tools, having some technology that that works out of the box makes that journey an awful lot easier, but but you've still got to apply to a context. And and, and that, I think, is the real art of all of this. The good organizations are the ones that, that, that can see past the problems and see the opportunities, understand where it's worth fighting for, where it's worth persevering, where you want to place your energy. So our, our journey, you know, I, I inherited a, a legacy of technology. I also inherited a, a legacy of people, and, and and the nature of the organisation was such that, you know, we probably weren't getting the best of them, but there was talent there. And so the journey is as much about giving people room to breathe and actually, you know, uncover their talent and explore. And every day that passes, we get a little bit better. And at some point, hopefully, you know, we'll have, we'll progress as far down the journey as we can go. And then by that time, something new and interesting will come along that will allow us to take the, the next evolutionary or revolutionary path. So, you know, for me, DevOps is just another step on a journey that says, you know, how do we make the world simpler? How do we reduce the number of moving parts? And how do we improve the, the means by which we deliver our outcomes?
0: So given that, I mean, um, within that, I mean, I, I do see... Um, uh, a binary nature between so you said you know you're moving from a legacy situation to a sit, uh, situation that's more agile the, the more agile situation doesn't then become the next generation of legacy situation because it's, it's definitely different to as you point out waterfall um, yeah. so it, you, you won't have to start from scratch in, in five years or I do, I do hope you went. not um, but so if you were to um, sort of pick out the, the key elements of of how you've managed to transition your organization or work with others to to transition the organization from this more waterfally mindset world to a more agilely devopsy mindset world yeah. what what would you say are the steps or the, the, the key elements or you know, how would you characterize that
1: so i, I, I think well, you know one of the most important things and and, and often we we think we've done it that we 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 give it too little credence, but actually planning, having a strategy and thinking about what am I trying to do here? Where am I trying to get to? And building some clarity around that. So we spent time setting ourselves a vision, a mission, some goals. We describe what good would look like and what it would feel like to be in a place that we would call successful. We, we then broke that down into, into parts about, well, what we're going to need to do in order to, to realize that ambition. We gave ourselves some long-term objectives, some short-term ones. Some improvement things that we, we had to take into account. We broke that down into our, our personal objectives and our performance development plans. So we 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 really spent some time saying, you know, as a team, we're we're trying to get to this destination. Here, here's our north star, and, and, and making sure that everyone had the clarity of, of purpose. Because if you don't, you know, particularly something that's agile or DevOps, if everyone interprets it in their own way, you've you've got a recipe for disaster. So we knew what we wanted to do. We then focused on, on how do we create the, the building blocks to lay the foundations. What, what was going to get us started? What were the, the most, the easy wins, the logical steps that would allow people to engage, allow people to start make the journey, to, to start to build some momentum? So we set those out and that, that was, was you know, we took a view that says, um, we're going to reorganize the teams. Um, I'll, I'll come back to that one in a second we'll, we'll, we'll go quite hard on management so we'll make the world a bit more colourful and, and we'll make things in a way that it's going to draw you into collaboration you can't do them without actually having to talk to each other um, we're, we're going to adopt a, a more of a scrum type process when everyone gets involved at the start of the process and you're flexible in your mindset so we got, we got people together we gave them purpose and we gave them room to explore what that would look like and, and, and that, that really goes on the journey. And, and I think, if I come back to that question of structure, what an aertie when, when I came on board was, was a, a very fragmented organization. So to, to characterize it, project management sat under one division, reporting to one director, development sat in another to a different one, test to someone yet again, or solutions and architects, or solution managers and architects, um, were dotted to another area. So we effectively had four business divisions, actually all responsible for delivering a common goal, a common outcome. And you can imagine that, that just doesn't lend itself to working well together. There was lots of tension, lots of um, divisions and gaps between teams. And that fragmentation was just holding us back. So we brought everyone together, we put them into one big team. We, we then started to change the language. So we moved it from being project management dev test to, you know, we're professional services. You guys are responsible for the solution outcome. You're responsible for solution delivery. You're responsible for solution development. Um, you're responsible for solution design. And, and as that, as that may sound, it was a very good way of getting people to start to use the language. If people, language is a very powerful thing, and if people use the words and they play them back to you, it generally means it's starting to stick. So we, we brought them together. We brought down the barriers, a really simple one, Dev and Test, two separate teams. So Dev would build something, give it to Test. Test would say it doesn't work, throw it back to Dev. Dev would challenge them and say, it does, you're testing it wrong. And, and this would be a never-ending cycle of tension put them in the same team under a common management structure, and suddenly they can't throw rocks at each other. They're now in the same team. So they've got to figure out, actually, how do I understand what we're building? How do I, I build the right test scripts? How do I get in the conversation early enough that actually what comes out the other side is the right thing? You know, and, and that, that that's change in structure and real focus on collaborative behaviors then allows you to introduce new ways of working, new processes, new technology much, much easier because people are ready for it, they've got an
0: appetite for it. They're they're um, they're in the right headspace. Reminds me of a I once uh, gave someone a piece of advice, which I've never um, I'd never tried. Uh, bear with me, you'll understand what I'm saying. Uh, but it, it seemed the right thing to say when someone was uh, saying, "How how do we get over this problem?" I said, "Why don't you make everyone just play football together?" And just mm-hmm. it was literally, but it was the same principle. It was literally just get everyone starting to play for the same team. Uh, and uh, and then realise that they're not those people over there versus those people over there, and actually, uh, and um, I don't know if it works, but it, it's it's just that getting people into the same space, in the same headspace, in the same direction, and, and sharing, isn't it? Totally,
1: and, and this and this for me, I think is where one of the the, the, the area that DevOps starts to win out. For me, it's not the process and the methodology, but what you're doing is, you know, for me, I'm taking the journey I've taken my team on and saying, how do I join in the other parts of the business that we interact with? Because you've got the same challenges we face just on a bigger scale. So we deliver through, you know, we have to work with our IT teams for our, our infrastructure and platforms about how we promote software. We've got operational teams who actually, they, they, they manage the software from a, a, a loading terminals, a customization and update process. So again, you know, we do all this good work, but then they go make a hash of it. Well, is that really the case, or maybe we've just not been that effective in how we deal with them? We've not really seen the world through their lens. So this this is where I think I think DevOps is 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 getting it right because it's just extending, you know, that 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 ability to all harmonise around a common problem and, and use the tooling to get you to where you need to be together.
0: But I think that's that what your what your quietly doing is is flipping the argument, which is really clever. Because what I have heard frequently is everyone should be doing DevOps, but there's cultural issues. What you're saying is um, we need to understand the cultural issues and and how to address them. And once we've done that, we'll be better able to do DevOps um, or anything else. I mean, what would you say um, uh, across your entire experience? I'm not saying you need to kind of pick on uh, specific and uh, recent examples, but in terms of the cultural change and structural change and uh, personal change, what would you say is the, the harder bits of that um, uh, th- th- that you've seen for, for people to actually make those, to have those epiphanies or, or whatever it is?
1: So I, I, every organisation has seen that, that, that culturally struggles is, is- Generally, in my experience, and this is, this is, wasn't Genical, but, but other companies as well, it, it's a question of trust and respect. So, organizations, we, we tend to set organizations to be, we talk leadership, but we deliver management, but actually, we mean management, but often what we deliver is supervision. And, and, and the effect of that, if you, if you think about you know, the basic psychological stuff, the, the transactional analysis, we, 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 we don't have adult to adult relationships. We treat like a parent child thing. So as an organization, we'll have people who say, do this, I want it done this way, get it done now. So we're not giving clarity of instruction, we're not giving reasonable room for autonomy, we're not living, you know, allowing people to get to respond in an adult way. And then we get surprised by the results when, when people behave like children. I can't do that. That doesn't work for me. That will never work here. I'm not interested. I'm taking my toys and going home. So everywhere I've been, you know, I, I think you've got you've got the, The question is about rebuilding the trust and getting people to want to be there and want to do stuff. You know, work is not fun, it's not play, but it it can be a very rewarding thing, but you've got to create the environment. So a big thing I talk about with the teams that I get involved in is about leadership, because leadership can help create that culture, you can build the trust. But the trick with leadership is, is not for someone to stand up like a manager does and say, I'm your boss, it's rather to give people reasons to follow. And, and that's a much, much harder thing to do and a much more subtle one. But if you can inspire people, if you can give them purpose, if you can motivate them to be better, then generally what starts to happen is, is like flowers coming up. You know, they some of them start shooting up, they start to trust, they start to engage, they'll exercise the talent. They don't fear failure so much. They're now willing to embrace new things, you know, and, and when you ask them to do stuff, well you know, and you treat them like adults, unsurprisingly, they, they behave in kind and do great stuff. And every single organization I've been in, when you get that that, that, that right, it's a very, very powerful agent for change and being able to do stuff. So, you know, we, the journey I've been on with, with, with Ingenico was, you know, from a manufacturing background when we had quite a controlling organization, people have to clock in, clock out, and justify you know every minute of their day to one that says, mm-hmm. You know, actually, I think you're all good, but I just don't think you know it yet. And, um, you know, how do we work in you actually having some, you know, some chance to grow? So let's talk about failure. Let's talk about risk. So, I, I you know, I, I in my career, I spent some number of years in Sky, and I had the good fortune to do a, a leadership development program there. And I remember one thing that really, really stuck with my career, and, and it was something that um, James Murdoch, it um, was a small group of us, about, uh, about 12 of us. And he took us in the room and he closed the door and he says, here's a bit of advice I was given. And he and, 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 you know, says really simply is you need to take risk. If you don't start taking risk, you're all fired. And we were like, you know, a little gulp, a little kind of pregnant pause. And we went, okay, write note to self, take risk. And, and he says, it's not as simple as that because he says, you know, take risk and get it wrong. We'll support you. Take the same risk twice and get it wrong twice. You're fired. And there's the line. And, and the trick <laughs> yeah. as a leader
0: fail fast but learn.
1: Yeah. The, the trick as a leader is actually getting people comfortable with the principle of failure and taking risk. Not not to consistently fail and not perform, but, but to push yourself out and do new things, try new things, grow into new things. And and that, when you start that journey going, it's amazing how much hidden talent is actually out there. You know, and you can really start to to use that to build your organization, it becomes very self fulfilling. And that, that for me is a big, big part of what we've been trying to do in Genico as, a, as an overall leadership team. Certainly, I've, I've been trying to push in my team, is to rebuild the trust by giving people confidence that you're not going to get beat up. You've got people who who are behind you, people are going to support you, people are going to lead you, and hopefully giving you enough reasons to follow.
0: that—that's that, brilliant. I mean, that, and uh, I think what's what's excellent about that is the fact that it's everything to do with DevOps and it's everything to do with becoming more agile, but it's nothing to do with, uh, technology or, um, uh, putting in place methodologies for the geeks or whatever. This is about getting business right for the modern age. Um, uh, and that's probably an excellent, um, uh, note to finish on, but I'll, I'll leave, I'll leave you with the last word if, if I may. Um, cause, uh, apart from sort of uh, hiring you <laughs> and I'm sure Angelgineika wouldn't be happy with that um, if, if you were to kind of uh, sprinkle a bit of uh, 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 gold dust around and just say so if if any organization had the opportunity to to start embracing some of this stuff but didn't know how to start thinking about it first, what would be the kind of the hook? That uh, that we can leave people with so just, just just start uh, and uh, and the rest will fall into place. It may not be as simple as that, yeah. um, but what do you think
1: I, I think really simply is to explore be curious you know you, you've, you've got nothing to lose, you know just because someone's come up with a new term doesn't mean to say it's bad, but what you've got to look for is is, is, is what does that bring to your context? So you know the, the moment you stop being curious, the moment you stop learning. It's probably the moment you're you really probably want to stop working, because you know your your value has gone. So you know for me, I, I try and bring that mindset into that, and I would encourage others to do it. And, and the first point of building that curiosity and exploring it is do it with your team, because they will have lots of ideas and lots of answers. You know, building something out like DevOps is not done by a small reserved group of people who have big heads and you know wrap wet towels around their heads and sit in dark rooms. It's something that all of us can apply to. We all have an opportunity to improve our business, whether that's a small marginal gain or the very large one, but you've got to start from a point of being willing to explore and giving people room to do it.
0: Excellent. Wonderful. Let's leave it there. That's fantastic. I really enjoyed that conversation. Thank you, Simon. And uh, uh, hopefully, I mean, we did talk about this before, but I'd, I would welcome the opportunity to talk again. Uh, so, uh, so thank you very much for your time. And I, I hope our audience out there... Uh, appreciated that and any questions, you know where to find us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in DevOps, please check out the other ones. Scaling DevOps for the Enterprise is the focus of a recent report John wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about how digital transformation is evolving, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on IT operations and business strategies.